Hey, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a very special episode of Chloe Talk. I am your host, Taylor Chloe. Today, we got an amazing uh, hip-hop recording artist from yeah, yeah. Cambodia town. But before I introduce him, I'm going to roll my intro. Yeah, so this hip-hop artist really needs no introduction. He really uh, grinded and made a name for himself. He goes by the name of G-Funk Supreme, and I'm just hey, going hey, hey, hey. to go ahead and pass you the mic, bro. Salute. How you been? I'm good, bro. Man, I appreciate you uh, you giving me an opportunity to come on here and speak in my mind and and sharing this, this startup of your podcast. So salute to you. You know what I'm saying? Yo. It's a blessing, man, and uh, you know we've been like friends for a while on social media, and you know, we got a we had a chance to meet up like a few years ago when oh, I went yeah. to Long Beach during my yeah. early humble days when I was doing like my New Year events, right, and right. um and you came to uh, New York City one time, and um I, it was me and the homie, and uh, we uh you know gave you a little tour, and you know hopefully that yeah. hopefully that experience was dope for you, and um but um. I wanted to, you know, invite you over because you spread a lot of positivity on your page. And um, I'm on YouTube searching Kamaya Rappers because to me, like, you know, yeah, yeah. we want to see who's out there. And, you know, right. and so. your name popped up, G-Funk Supreme. I like I saw one of your early music videos when you was in the baseball field spitting bars. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah, I can't think yeah, of yeah. the name right now, but I'm like, yo, this guy dope. Right. Yeah. At first, I thought you was Latino. I'm pretty sure you get that a lot. You know? <laughs> I get that a lot. I get that a lot. I think it's my nose. I, somebody, somebody told me it's like my nose or it's just like some of my facial structures or whatever like that. But yeah. shout out to all my Latinos, though. You know what I'm saying? Yo, my shout out to y'all. And then we finally met, you know, through the homie. Shout out to John Lee. I think I think we he, he introduced me to you or or did I meet you before that? I was trying to I was trying to remember. Okay, I think it was just through mutual friends. Like, you know, you come through Long Beach and of course, like Long Beach, a lot of people know each other. And then of course, like, you know, with you doing the whole YouTube thing, mm -hmm. um, your name was everywhere. And so people just knew each other. And every time you came around to the functions, everybody slid through, showed love and said, what's up? And it was kind of like one of those outings where you just, you run into each other. So that was just like how that was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, I'm just just blessed to be your, your homie, you know, for... Yeah, for a while, yeah. so it's like it's good to see you like progress and stuff. But uh, before we get to like current current days and like now, I just want definitely want to get you know get to know you at how you grew up in Long Beach, and you know I definitely yeah. I'm pretty sure the the viewers want to know your story. So if you want to just tell a little about how it was like and your experiences, you know, right? Let us so know. I was born I was born in Arizona, which is where like from where my dad was sponsored to. He had told he had told them like I, I want something that's similar to where I'm from, where it's hot. And they shit the motherfuckers to Arizona, not knowing <laughs> it's hot, hot. Like, that's like right. <laughs> that home is hot. Fucking Arizona is hot. And then we came to Long Beach uh, when I was like one or two. And it was, um, you know, I didn't really start remembering stuff until like four or five. But anything you can imagine of being a minority growing up in Long Beach, you can imagine. You know, discrimination, you got uh, racial tension, you got gangs. Just a lot of shit that you, you battling as a minority and also somebody who's also willing or fighting to find an identity at the same time. You know what I'm saying? But besides that, Long Beach is home. You know, I feel like it helps mold me into the person I am today because it's so diverse. It got so many different cultures that it gave you access to a lot of different things and information that you probably wouldn't get if you lived somewhere that wasn't as diverse as this, you know what I'm saying? Right. So a midst of what, whatever people might think of 
being in a hood or whatever stereotype they might think, I think it's just like uh, finding a rose in the concrete, you know what I'm saying? It's just like a metaphor, I would like to say it. So yeah, that's just like to summarize how I, how I would say my experience growing up in Long Beach was. Dope. And then do you have like um, siblings? Like how many siblings do you have? So I grew up in a family of seven, uh, both my parents, and then I got uh, siblings and five total with me being the second youngest. I got uh, two brothers and two sisters, so I'm the second youngest. Okay, yeah. dope. I'm the youngest, so. Are you the youngest? Yeah, I've had like two older older brothers and three older sisters, so pretty yeah, big yeah, family. Yeah. We, we, was pretty, uh, we was pretty close-knit only because we didn't have a lot of family out here, so really like the people we were close to was each other or like the friends that we grew up with. So even to today, like a lot of the people I hang out with are friends that I've been homies with since childhood, since middle school, high school and stuff like that. So, you mean? So, yeah. So in like a school, how was it like in school? Did you, uh, did you have any hobbies? Uh, you know, did you play sports or how was it like? Um, I didn't, I didn't really like have like specific hobbies, but I was just, you know, as a kid, you know, you're doing a lot of things. You're just kicking it with the homies. You're playing sports. Basketball was always a thing. Skating was for sure. Like, growing up, skating was fun. And this was pre, like, technology days where you were outside actually hanging out. You were riding bikes. You were out late nights so the sun comes down. Like, you was knocking on the door trying to see if the homies is home. You know what I'm saying? I think as time passed by, you know, and going into middle school, is like when you kind of grown up a little bit, you find it, like, you know, who yourself is a little bit more. That's kind of when you start to experience emotion, experience mm-hmm. feeling, you're going through puberty and all that shit. Yep. And that's when I found like a hobby in poetry because the homies who like used to rap back in the day, I was just like, damn, like I was unaware of Asian rappers back then. Mm-hmm. And so the only thing I knew of was like Asian raps. You know, I used to listen yeah. to all the forums on that. Right? Asianraps.com, right? That forum? Back yeah. In the day? But then yeah. to know somebody personally, it was more like, you know, crazy to me. So I was just like naturally just copying them, going over people beats and shit like that. So that's when I really like started getting into poetry. I took a poetry class and that's when I really was like enjoying it because I was just being able to use different words, style it differently and just kind of be creative. You know what I'm saying? I think I always had a thing for creative writing, but that poetry class was really something that like helped me grow a passion for it more so than just a hobby. And um, I always talk about my eighth grade poetry teacher and I always say, like, I always shout her out in, like, a lot of my interviews and shit like that. So that was, like, one of my main hobbies. That, that's something that really stuck with me, for sure, if I could say, like, something that, that grew with me, for sure. So you would say that you, start, you started eighth grade when you really found a passion for poetry and then uh, led, it led into the music. Like, who were your musical influences? I know Cali is, like, the mecca of, like, West Coast hip-hop. Name some of What was the first artist or song that, that made you, like, yo, this is this is... I might want to rap, you know. That was my brother uh, who was in the living room at this little apartment that we used to stay at, and he was playing Snoop. What's my name? I think it came out in like I don't know when it was, like maybe '94, '93 when it came out. But I was just like, as a kid, you know, you don't know the lyrics, you just know the sound, so you're just repeating whatever you're saying. Like it it was just hard. I heard of him, and I heard of Usher. Like those were the two first artists that I heard. So gangster rap and R&B was the first things I ever heard and kept listening to. So you. I mean, it might make sense now because my style is very, like, kind of raw, rugged, but it has, like, a jazzy, smooth persona of it. It's yeah. probably because of that, you know, listening to R&B, listening to, like, Snoop and them foods and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, definitely. I hear a lot of Snoop influences. You're like mellow. You could you can have like that playerism. You can have that yeah, the hardcore yeah. if you want to spit that hardcore too, the the bars. But um, yeah, yeah, you know, like pretty much everything. Um, Californians, uh, you know, grew up on. Like mm-hmm. you know, I'm up there in Seattle, you know, so we, we were influenced by California like hip hop culture. So we like the yeah. Snoops, we like the Dre's, the NWA's, and all that. So yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the '90s was definitely a good uh, good era. So so even growing up, like even outside of Snoop, like it was um, people I started listening to was kind of more on a come up, like J Cole, Kendrick mm-hmm. Lamar, Nipsey, of course, like Overdose, Dom Kennedy. Like just a lot of up and coming artists at that time to where now like you see their like mega mega household names like people like them like I definitely like as I got older and listened to music a lot more with people that like I started like just listening to and getting inspired by you know what I'm saying dope yeah sure and um like what age did you like started recording you 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 made your first rap song and how was it was I think it- I was I was in oh man <laughs> I was in ninth grade with the homies um. I was with the homie Richard. So we would, I used to always go to his house during summer school and shit like that. And we would just fuck around. So he was the homie in middle school that brought the CD with his cousins rapping on it. So he was the plug. It was a dude that had a, a, a microphone at his house. who was rapping in the closet. He had the PC with the program on it. One day I was just chilling. And just because I just happened to be there, he was like, yo, you want to rap? I'm like, fuck <laughs> it. Like, I'll, I'll rap. I wrote some shit real quick. And then as soon as I hopped on a mic, um, Everybody was just kind of surprised at how I sounded because I had like a distinct voice. I sounded really young, but I just sounded like it just sounded unique enough for somebody to to catch attention. Like, like who is that? You know what I'm saying? And so that was like the ninth grade when I made my first song. So it was it was cool to hear how I sounded on a beat versus like you don't really listen to how you sound in real life. You know what I'm saying? But to hear mm-hmm. it on the song and through the speakers, it was like okay, this this is cool. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's what that's what I that's what stood out to me was your voice. You don't sound like nobody. You know what I mean, and yeah, it's yeah. like it's your actual talking voice. It's like you're not. It's not like a fake voice. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's, not like- <laughs> it's like it's like a rap voice. It's actually your voice. So it's like yeah, it's yeah, you yeah. being you. So and it's dope, nice. You know, so I get that a lot too because people are like people will listen to me on a song and uh, somebody had told me one time like after a show they're like, man, I appreciate how your voice sounds the same in person and. Mm-hmm on stage and on a song because you get to still, somebody might enjoy the song, but then when you sound different, you just be like, oh, they still like the song, but it's like, they were just having a different expectation. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Feel it. Like growing up, like were your parents supportive like of what you do, like music and stuff like that? Were they supportive of it? So growing up, I think I had, I definitely had a way bigger relationship with my mom more than I did my dad, you know? And I think a lot of, uh, a lot of us can maybe relate is that I think father figures in a household, they don't really talk much because I think how they're raised, they're more raised to have certain qualities of just being a provider, uh, being a protector. And the mothers, the mother figures are more nurturing, more sensitive, more kind of emotional based. And so, I think growing up, I never really had conversations with my dad of what I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. And so all he thought about was, look, you need to just go out there and make money and, and bring it back to pay the bill. But my mom, being we had more conversations. We had more dialogue. She was always supportive of me venturing off to figure out myself and 
starting a business or doing something that not only I can enjoy, but just something that was going to keep me off the street. And before she wasn't really happy about me rapping just because she just thought like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you need to finish school. You need to do all that. But I think you know, my mom, cause she's like, she's a business owner. She always had that idea that, you know what, but if you're going to do something, you need to try your best and you need to work for yourself. I don't want you going out there working for nobody and, and thinking that you can't do more than that. So she always trained me, my train of thought to be a business owner instead of working for somebody else. So when she realized that I was doing okay in school, I was passing, I was still doing my thing. I was doing what she asked and I was still able to do my music thing at the same time. I think it surprised her. I think it, if she looked at it like, damn, like, you know, this kid, like he can do both of those at the same time. So who am I to tell him to stop? So, you know, as soon as I finished college, everything that involved music, she was like, hey, man, do what you want. Because you did you did exactly what you said you was going to do. Mm-hmm. So who am I to stop you from doing what you want to do? You know what I'm saying? That's and so she was always supportive of me doing music. She rocks my clothes all the time. She listens to my music. Yeah, I think it's dope. I see your relationship with your mom on like IG and stuff. I think that's a dope relationship you have, you know? Yeah, She's yeah. supportive, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's, she's probably the closest thing to me as far as both, um, not just a mother, but a father figure. But even though she couldn't teach me a lot about being a man, she did the best she could to help mold me into what I needed to prepare myself into being the man I needed to be. You know what I'm saying? And anything else I learned was from my brother, the bigger homies out here, um, and just looking up to people around me, even looking up to artists. Because, you know, you look at them and you kind of listen to what they got to say. You know, I don't necessarily got to know them, but I feel like if you can, if you take value in what people are saying and you can learn from it, those are things that you would expect from a role model or a father figure or anybody that you want to look up to and you want to, you know, kind of follow the same footsteps of what they did. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. How important is my culture to you and um, and why should we keep pushing our culture forward for the next generation? So how important is my culture? Um, I think it's a thousand percent important. Um, I like to kind of speak in metaphors. And so I feel like your culture is your grassroots, right? It's your foundation. And anything you choose to build on top of that is solely based on how strong your foundation is. So if you ain't got no means of foundation, if you ain't got nothing that's going to support your structure, your backbone, whatever, over time, your, 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 whatever empire or whatever you're trying to build on top of that is going to be weak and it's going to crumble. You know, I feel like your backbone is who you are. It is what made you who you are. So your culture, your identity is everything. And so I feel like I had a bigger sense of importance of culture the older I got. You know, as we kids, you know, we're Americanized. We're we're so in tune of just, you know, kind of doing whatever that we see like people on TV doing. But as you get older, you find how important it is to have an identity that you can call your own. And what's better to have something to call your own than the one that is already in you, being Cambodian. And so I got the chance to visit Cambodia back uh, probably like six months ago. I just I had just turned 30. Me and the homies that went there for the first time. Some of them have been there, but I went there for the first time. Wow. And like, I wouldn't even had a, enough words to describe like the feeling of being there. It was like magical, surreal, all at the same time. Because... I mean, I went to Vietnam in high school, but that was just, I was still young, you know, like I had a glimpse of like what it was like 
but then going to Cambodia, seeing Angkor Wat, seeing these temples, being able to talk to the people, chop it up with the people in the villages, playing with the kids. It was, it gave me a, a stronger sense of identity and I just felt good, you know, and I felt even more proud to be Cambodian. I've never so, been back, so like it was like it's like really cool to see like pictures. So like uh like you said, it was like an eye opening experience and um like, for, for first timers like um that want to visit and like what what would you what tip would you give them like to to prepare themselves for something like this, like to, to visit some Khmer for the first time? I think um if I was to tell somebody to what they could look for is to to leave your expectations at home. You know what I'm saying? Because you wanna be a be able to go there with an open mind, with no expectations, and, and be there purely free-minded and open-minded and willing and open to, to do whatever and experience the life the way it is over there. You know what I'm saying? It's not a party. It could be, but you don't want to go over there thinking, you know, these pre-assumed or pre-meditated uh, expectations, you know what I'm saying? So I would just say, I mean, of course, take your shots, take your, like, your safety mm-hmm. shots, like, whatever you got to do to go out there health-wise. Pack light. You don't really need a lot of clothes, you know what I mean? Because you don't want to be carrying around, you know, 20, 30 pounds worth of luggage. But then, you know what I'm saying? Just go over there with a free mind. And I think that's the best advice I can give somebody. Yeah, I love that answer, man. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Cambodia, um, Long Beach is known as Cambodia Town. Yeah, um, yeah. Let, let me know what it's like, you know, like Long Beach. Like, what do you love about Long Beach, Cambodia Town? What I love about Long Beach, Cambodia Town... Um, what I love about it is probably what a lot of people hate about it. A lot of people outside of us looking in, they probably be like, damn, this ghetto, damn, this is hood, damn, this, this, is that. But, you know, I like to find beauty in the struggle. I'm the type of person that I, I look at certain situations and I find the light out of it, you know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing with Long Beach, Cambodia town. You look at everything that makes it out to what it is and it's home. You got gangs, you got the hood, but at the same time, you got businesses, you got you got art, you got uh, Afsadai dancers like Mia, who's doing the whole Afsadai Cambodian dancing, mm-hmm. keeping the tradition alive. You got uh, our official Long Beach, Cambodia town in the east side, you know, and it feels good to have something to call home, to have something to identify yourself with as far as Long Beach, the east side, and to know that we have one of the biggest populations of Cambodians outside the world, outside of Cambodia, it feels good. But it, not, it, it don't mean like we better than anybody, but it just, it just feels good to have a headquarters, to be hometown, to, to anybody that want to come, chop it up and say what's up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what's up. I, I didn't even know that people think of Long Beach as ghetto because when I went, it's like, to me, I saw palm trees, I saw the beauty, I saw the people, yeah, yeah, all yeah. love. But, um, you know, I didn't grow up there, so it might have been a different way back then. So it's like... Yeah, I mean, it's like one to till this day is one of my favorite places I've visited. I mean, I, I had think, a real you know, good experience. Yeah, and besides that, you know, California, Southern California, the weather is good, damn near all year round, right? Perfect weather. Like the people who, a lot of the people here, we we love when uh, people from out of town come visit because we like to show them around, we like to party, like to give them a good time. You know what I'm saying? So it, it feels good to to be able to share the experience with those out of town with. How we get down over here, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and not to mention the food. I've never had bad food in Long Beach. The Khmer food, the tacos, whatever. Yeah. Anything was everything was good. So shout out to the the, the, the food. And uh, is there any favorite? What's your favorite Khmer food? And what's your favorite go to spot in Long Beach? 
Kamayo or non Kamayo, whatever. I got a lot. You know, Crystal Tide on 10th Street, man, that's a go to. They Salama Chew is like on point. Like, I can't front. <laughs> they got the Shack, of course, which is like by default, you know, one of the best mm-hmm. footballs I've ever had. Um, you got Great Pot, <laughs> Cyclo Noodles, which is a quick. Uh, a quick family-owned shop where they sell everything from pho to cathedral to uh, to rice dishes, beef sticks, uh, whatever you name it. And it's a lot of it's a lot of new businesses that they're popping up too, as far as like um, Aracia Cafe Meals.com and just other people that younger generation that's helping keep the Cambodian culture alive, mixing it with like a modern taste and flavor. So man, you know those are just some to name a few. Oh, I love to see it, man. That's what's yeah, up, yeah. man. Has anyone told you that uh, you remind them of a Cambodian hip n- Nipsey Hustle? I've mean, I've gotten that a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. I, I see that he's one of your your favorites. So I I hear it's I don't fun. know maybe your kind your voice is similar when you rap. So it's like maybe I don't know it might be a Cali thing or just like the way you rap. But um, I think uh, Nipsey Hustle was dope. It's yeah, not just and, like hip hop, but he was like smart and intelligent. The, the way yeah. you give interviews is like okay, this guy's like he studies the Nipsey nah, for and like. Sure. And uh, every time I hear that, like, man, man, I just got chills just hearing that. Just because, like, you know, he's somebody I admire as far as, like, his way of thinking um, inside and outside of music, coming from where he comes from. You know, he don't he's not out here trying to portray, like, um, this, this lifestyle, but he's really trying to shift the dynamic of the way the world sees his culture, right? And that's mm-hmm. the same exact thing of how I want to relate to is I want to be able to change the narrative of what people may think of us minorities or, or us as uh, Cambodians. You know? so, yeah. And so just his music, just him as a person, I, I feel like he's a great role model for anybody to listen to. And whenever people tell me, like, they kind of compare me to him, like, I feel a lot of different ways because... I don't want people to think that I'm comparing myself to who he is because mm-hmm. I got such a long way to go. But right. I take that compliment gracefully because I understand of what his mission was. And, you know, I can, I can only be thankful that people even see me in that same category. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I got the chance to meet him one time. And oh, I, was, yeah. I, was, I was scared of shit to talk to him. Like, I was like, I was fucking nervous. Like, my heart was <laughs> beating. And it was right around a couple months before I had dropped my album. And I was driving home from work. I was just like on my phone and shit. And I had seen an opportunity to to be in a studio where they had 1500, where they do their, their academy and say, oh, go come and sit with Nip and ask questions and talk about the album. I was like, oh shit. And I just bought a ticket right then and there. I just pulled over and I bought a ticket real quick. For the moment. A few minutes later, boom, sold out. And so it's, wow. it's 40 people only allowed in the class. Everybody else had to sit outside. So Dang. I was just like, damn, like, you know, this is just like, that was one of those things where if I had act on it, I, I would have lost the opportunity. Wow. So the Same. day I got there, I'm, I'm the only Cambodian guy there. It's just everybody else there, black, a couple whites, Mexicans and shit like that. I'm in the class. I'm looking at people who are just like me or just looking for information, just wanting to listen to him. But when, when he walked in a room, you automatically felt the energy shift. You just, just like this fool was a, a god or some shit like that. And I wasn't going to talk to him, but I told myself, like, hey, don't be a little bitch. Like, you better <laughs> yeah. talk to him. You Definitely, know? Man. And finally came around that they had passed me the mic. I said, ask him a good question. Ask him a good question. What'd you ask him? 
And then I asked him, I was like, what is it that you look for in your song that you know that that's the one for you, that does it for you? And he explained to me, he's like, it's not something you necessarily look for, but it's something that you feel for. It's, it could be a beat, it could be a lyric, it could be a moment where it tells you sonically that that's the one. And it's not something that sometimes you specifically search for, but it just comes to you. And that's how I structure my songs is if I don't feel it, I don't put it out. But if it's something that kind of catches my ear and it just makes me feel a certain way, those are the things where I understand like that's the music that I want to put out. It's something that makes me feel a certain way. You know what I'm saying? That's real. Yo, by the way, man, rest in peace, Nipsey Hustle. Yeah, rest in peace. I got yeah. the homies that gifted me with uh, these these posters or these frame pictures back here. So that's why I got them on my wall. Oh, wow, that's dope. Man, what I liked about Nipsey, I think it's important that we talk about Nipsey is because um he was always preaching ownership, like owning your owning your shit. Like 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 when him like he bought his store, but it also like it it will it will relate to like you own it, like you doing everything yourself, like the right way. What I was telling you before, like you, yeah, yeah. you definitely want to own your masters, like you know, like you know, like he was preaching to like you know go indie, which is like, and and he, and he made it. You know, he he proved so, it himself that he yeah, could do yeah. it. How did that motivate you to like um put out your album, like mm-hmm. the right way? You went on TuneCore, you got the publishing. I think um, you felt so the first to do it. the first right. album is when I was telling myself that I needed to take it to a new level. That's when I hollered at you guys, like you and Joni, like, hey man, you know, I want to take it to a new level. And I used to be scared to ask questions. But I started telling myself, it's like asking questions to, to learn is very different from asking for a handout. Mm-hmm. Asking for a handout is you not wanting to do the work and you expecting results. But asking questions is you actively seeking to learn about information. You know what right. I'm saying? And I, you know, I was like really glad that you asked, you know, like, you know, I, there's no question that, you know, I mean, like, I feel like I'm always down to help. So I was like, don't yeah. be afraid to ask. So like, sometimes yeah. in the same way, I, I, you never know, because you always, you know, get, you don't, for whatever reason, you don't ask, you know, but sometimes right. I think it's good that you asked and then like to see that you applied it and really yeah. went ham and just like took it to the top and, you know, you blew up in your own way. So it was like, I'm really proud of you. You know, I support Thank you a hundred percent. And, um, yeah, you know, definitely, um, I think that's very inspirational. Like maybe like the people that want to like start making music, like are you pretty responsive? Maybe they DM you for tips. You, I see that you definitely show love when people DM you, you definitely give advice. So that's, that's what I love about you too. You're always positive. I think, I think early on when I, um, I started making music, I just, I was just poor. Like I couldn't afford a videographer. I couldn't afford somebody to make beats. I couldn't do uh, a lot of things uh, that were out of my control. But what I did have control over was being able to learn the resources that I needed to put myself in a position where I no longer needed a videographer. I no longer needed like an engineer or somebody to make beats for me or whatever like that. So that was one thing, something that my mom taught me is that you need to be an owner of yourself. So I always tell myself, I can't be mad over the things that I have control over versus the things that I don't have control over. So if I can learn something for myself, if I can change the narrative or the situation of myself, then cool, right? And I could be able to do all these things for myself. I think the first time I paid for a videographer, I just watched them. I was just like, damn, like, what are you doing? And I was just asking questions like, what kind of camera is that? Like, what program mm-hmm. 
uh, and shout out to him because he was answering me and he was giving me the tips. He's like, this is what you need, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. From there, I just learned. And I was telling the camera like this, shoot it at this angle. I got a laptop. I just started learning. I started editing my own videos. And from there was when I was like, you know what? I, I, I no longer need to wait on somebody to give me the opportunities that I need to provide for myself. And so from that model, I kept that going along the whole way, even when making an album, even when doing my videos or whatever. I was like, along the way, if I'm, if I'm stuck, ask questions. You got Google, you got YouTube, you got all the necessary, necessary resources right in front of you. You just got to dig for it. And I tell people that, like, you just got to dig for it, you got to want it. You know what I'm saying? It don't take no more than you just searching up whatever questions you got. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. That's real, man. Like, I'm kind of in the same boat too. Like, it feels real good to not have to wait on someone or depend on someone. Like, yeah. if you just go and learn it yourself, and just you know, like it's cool. Then you know, to you know, if you know, if you if you don't have like the extra hands to film, you know, I pay the homies. You know, yo, <laughs> yeah, I don't mind investing in the craft, but like, yeah. like more so on the editing side, a lot of that is all YouTube University. You know, yeah, yeah. and Definitely. I feel like it tastes like success. I mean the. It tastes better self-made, like you know what I mean. Like when you see the yeah, final yeah. product, like yo, I did that. <laughs> no one's gonna say yeah, yo I, because of me. I he popping because of my beat. He popping, you know, like just, just like it's, and it's, only, it's only an investment to yourself. Mm -hmm. And even now, like um, now that you know I'm in a better position than what I once was, I only only work with people that I see coming up who I feel like they deserve the same as me. So I would rather pay somebody who is passionate about what they do, like videographers who are like really into it. And I build a relationship with them and I just continue to work with them. You allow me to do what I got to do, but pay you to work on your craft. And then to each, you know, we just kind of benefit off each other. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's the beauty is like when you understood or understand a vision and you're able to find somebody that you work well with, it's, it's, it's easier to, to create it like that, you know? For sure. Yeah. So um, let me ask you, uh, G-Funk, uh, what's your favorite song, past or present, that you ever wrote and recorded? My favorite song? Man, I, I got to say there's a couple. But I say my first one ever is probably the song I did on my first mixtape called 50-50. And... This song was kind of like when I started rapping like in metaphors, when I was rapping like life verses, mm. you know, my, my, of course I like to spit bars and I like to like, you know, be witty and clever. Mm. But my biggest thing is like making songs where it can motivate somebody. So 50, 50 was one of them. And I think if I got to pick a song today, uh, there's a song off of my latest project, unapologetic called all I know. And I felt like, it's just a strong, strong song that holds a powerful message that a lot of people could relate to. You know what I'm saying? So that's definitely like another one of my favorites for sure. I got a lot of handful, like, and I like yeah. the turn on shit too, like Cali yeah. Grammar. Yeah, hey, I was about to say that's my favorite, Cali Grammar. Like, I like that yeah. turn up the party, the beat. Yeah, of course. Now, we all like the turn up. We all like the party. Yeah. Shit. yeah Cali Grammar, that one, that one took me to a, a whole new level. Yeah, so. like, that, that, that one, like, oozed long, but like, you were like, the music video from the beats, the production, like, Made me want to like sea walk, and I don't even know how to see. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was like it was I dope, shot, man. Uh, I yeah, uh, we we shot and edited that video myself too. Because oh, I, yeah? I I was like, I, this this got to represent hometown, real quick. 
I love how you had the elote man. Was that the elote man? The little cart was that? What was that? The ice cream man, and that, he came randomly. Like we were shooting yeah. at the spot, and the mm-hmm. guy came. He was just looking at what we was doing, and I asked him because I spoke a little Spanish. I was like, "Hey, what's up? Like, how you use the cart?" He was like, "Go ahead." And I used up, like a quick thirty minutes. I shot him like twenty dollars. You know what I'm saying? So that was That's cool. love, man. Yeah, and then the homies they need to plug for all the low riders and shit. So we had went to the spot, and so we had all the cars in there. So it was like it was perfect, you know. Yeah, that, that was just a fun video, man. But you ha- you have a lots of quality songs and quality videos too. So people, if you guys don't know who G Funk is, just go on YouTube, search G Funk yeah, Supreme, yeah. And follow him on all his socials. It's on the screen I, right I, there. I, I, but right. like, um, let's talk about your your new album. You just finished, right? Uh, it, what's the title? I can't say that. Oh, yet, you can't man. say yeah. So, I, I, all right, yeah. So, um, do you have like maybe an idea of when you're gonna release it? It is uh honestly like as a fan of music, I'm just studying what's going on with the whole coronavirus thing. Mm-hmm. I, I want to present the album and, and allow it to have its its best potential when people are able to go out, when we right. can drive, when we can go to the gym and all that. Yeah, I'm not really in a rush to drop music mm-hmm. um, because I'm a fan of of the art of music. I'm not a fan of just dropping things just to drop content just because right. like I'm feeding into like for attention. Like I'm not yeah. thirsty for attention. What I want to do is make an impact with the things I do drop. So I want to present it and give it to people the right way. So I'm not in no rush. I would like to drop it this year, hopefully when all this shit goes away. But um, it's pretty much wrapped up. You know, we're getting ready to plan to roll out all the videos for it. So I think to be prepared is to be better off than when all the shit goes away and to not be prepared. So I'm just chilling on it. I'm already working on my next album. So oh, that's, what's just, up. that's what work. I like about you. You're always grinding. Like, you know, one project done, yeah. keep recording, you know, keep yeah, that yeah, backlog yeah. so you have it tucked in a chamber. Which and I tell people idea. like, and a lot of people don't, don't even notice, like they don't, they think I just rap all day. But like, I also have a nine to five, you know what I'm saying? Like I work at the same time. And I do a lot of other shit outside of music. And I tell people, like, you got to have balance. You got to be able to not kind of just put yourself in uh, a single box where you you find you, you, you kind of feel confined to just doing one thing. I tell people it's, it's better to, to open your mind to a lot of new things that you can experience different emotions and different channels and not force yourself to have to write a song. Mm. And for my situation, not force yourself to have to make content. Like if you you just learn how to live your life the way you should live your life, you know it makes making music a lot better. And that was the process for this album. Like I didn't force none of the songs. I was just living, and however I felt a certain emotion, I just feel like writing. I, I wrote a song. If I didn't, I wouldn't. And I feel like making songs like that made it a lot easier. And this this album only took me like three recording sessions. You know, I would go in like four songs, five songs ready to record. Crying. And so I go in, I'm not, I'm already rehearsing these verses a thousand times before the studio, right? Well prepared. So when I'm, yeah, when up. I'm going in, um, I make sure mentally I'm ready. I make sure I eat. We all like, you know, we, we break the ice, have a conversation. And soon after that, we just get to work. And so we're just doing song after song after song. And, and we already know the way we work to where it's, it's, it's like that. It's back and back and back and back. And of course, you're taking a break. Yeah. You know, you're being cool, but it, it helps me be efficient in the studio where I'm not wasting time because you're wasting your own money if you're just kicking it. You oh, know yeah, yeah. But when I'm going in, I'm, I'm really knocking out like three, four songs a day or until my voice gets tired, you know? That's yeah. what's up. 
Mm-hmm. That's important to like go there prepared because like these engineers they don't they don't really fuck around with people going there that trying to write the lyrics on the spot you know that that takes up the studio time and you know and you're, you're wasting yeah, right. money and that's you know. that's honestly how I got linked up with um, with my my engineer that I work with right now because I I did a song for somebody else on somebody else's album and I came in he didn't really know who I was he he just knew of me but he just liked how I came in did the verse in like thirty minutes. I wasn't like, I wasn't fucking around in the studio. Then when it was, a, you know, we had a window, I started playing him some of my old music and he was just like, oh, he was just impressed at my work ethic. That was the main thing. I told him like, I wanted to do, new, uh, to do a new album and based off how I just came in and just was like, you know, on point, he was like, yeah, I fuck with it. And then just mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing, like he was just impressed with how I was doing my music and, and all that. So I think that made him a fan and allowed me to create a relationship with him to work, you know, more so. Yeah, that's real. Like, um, yo, like, you, your work ethic is impeccable and um, they say first impression is everything. So that was his first time meeting you? That day, yeah, that was, that was his first time we ever met each other. So. Right away, boom. We want to yep. work with you. That's I tell people, man, you coming into the studio, you got to give your best effort. Like I told mm-hmm. this kid, he had just hit me up, like, how much is the verse? And I've met him before, you know. Um, so a little story, little story about this little kid that that hit me up. Uh, one of my homegirls is his teacher, and she hit me up because she was telling me how this kid, who was a good kid, but just kept getting into trouble. He was hanging around the wrong people. He was on the verge of being kicked out of school, and she was like, "You know, can you talk to him? You know, his dad had passed away. You know, his mom ain't really always there for him, and he's just I don't know what to do with him." but he wants to be an artist. And so because you rap, like maybe you can help. And so I checked him out. I was like, yeah, I'll come out at him. And so I felt weird at first because this kid is Hispanic, right? Not that it matters, but the people that he hangs out with is, is quote unquote enemies of people that look like me, Cambodians or Asians, period, over here in Long Beach, right? Right. Four enemies, like talking about like killing each other on site type shit. Mm. And that's why I felt weird. I was like, how am I supposed to relate to this kid that the people he hang out with would kill people that look like me? And I was just like, I don't know. But I was like, out of my heart, I was like, as an artist and as somebody who looks at him like he needs a male role model or a father figure, I was like, I I took the race issue out the way. So I went to go holler at him. I went to go chop it up with him. And I was just giving him some advice that I would have liked as I was growing up at his age. I look, man, you know, you chill around, these people are X, Y, Z, and like, this is what's gonna happen. But I told him, I was like, but you gonna do whatever you want. You know, cause when you force somebody to do something, they're not gonna do it. But when you give them the option to, they start to explore themselves. And so he had hit me up asking for a verse. And that was the kid, the same kid I'm talking about. And I told him like, hey man, you show me your grade and, I, and, I, and I'll do the verse for you. It's motivating to have a little bit of hope, to have a little bit of something to work towards, Cause now you have a goal that's measurable. That's kind of obtainable where you can feel like you can reach it. Like if I told myself like, damn, uh, I want a million dollars back then, I wouldn't be like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, the words I can't, it just sound like, it just sound like it hurt because you know, you would never get it. But if I tell myself like, damn, I want to save up a thousand dollars. You'd be like, you know what? I think that's doable. So you work hard. But once you get that thousand dollars, you okay, now I want 10. Now I want a hundred. Now I want a million. So for this kid, once I gave him something that was 
obtainable that was like, you know what? I think I could, I could get A's and B's. Like, yeah, I could get my grades up. Okay, I'm gonna work for that. And, and for that, like, I'm gonna get his verse. And so that kind of just inspires you to work hard, to do what you need to do to get the job done. And so, yeah, that's what it was with that one. That's love, man. I respect that. So mm-hmm. that's love, man. For yeah, sure. and it's not, it's not about the money. Like, a lot, a lot of the times it's not about the money. Because some people will approach, approach you and don't even ask right. if you charge. They're just like, yo, I need a verse. Right. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> this kid who's 14 that don't got no money, like you know what I'm saying? He asked. I was like, I like that. But I was like, you know what? Yeah. I like that too. For a yeah. young man that had just hit you with the business side because he values your time. Yeah. And he you know, that's what's mm-hmm. up, man. He's of course I get this, right? He was asking right. me like what song should I do, blah blah. I was like, you do the song you want to do. But I was like, when you're gonna present it to me presented like you was doing a class presentation like have everything on point have the song ready have have it clean laid out that way i know you're taking it serious some at the same time giving them tips of life advice like like when you're ready to give yourself to the world make sure you're ready and you're on point because they're going to value how you present yourself the first time you know what i'm saying like i would tell anybody you know yes sir so um what are your like long-term long-term goals in life Besides music, do you you see yourself owning some some sort of business, or do you have other like uh, dreams and goals that you want to get done? Yeah, so long term businesses, right? Of course, mm-hmm. I think the the biggest thing is to be able to own property. For me, outside of music, right? Owning property, mm-hmm. having again ownership, something to your name, something that you can hold on to for you and your family, is probably the next biggest thing, you know. And so, uh, right now, me and my family, we we own some things, and, and that's important. To know because fucking rent is not cheap, right? Oh, rent yeah. is not cheap, and at the end of the day, you never own it. That ain't never yours. And so, to have something you can call yours again is your foundation that you can build off of. You grow from that, and you build your own empire after that. Um, besides that, a production company is something I'm looking forward to. As far as um, doing videos for people, you know, photography being an engineer or having a resource where people can go there to where they no longer have to do certain things that might put them in, in trouble just to put them in better situations. Because, you know, growing up, we always had access that we did to, to record music or to, you know, want to paint or want to do photography. So because of that, we've got to do the other things. People have to do, you know, sometimes a lot of bad shit because they didn't have the right resources to do what they really wanted to do. And so they end up in fucked up situations where, you know, you might end up in jail, you might end up in, in a gang, locked up or, you know, dead or whatever like that. And so those are some of my future goals, um, just to like name a few. You know what I'm That's what's up. I like yeah. it. Also, I see that you you work out on the daily. Like, would you say like health is the single most important thing in life to... A thousand percent. I say it's, it's, it's very important to, to know that you got to put yourself first before anything. You know, mental health and physical health is just as important. And I feel like when I started making music, I started working out. I started feeling better about myself is when I started to make the best music that I was able to make. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But not only that, you know, we getting older. So it's it's. it's preservation of yourself rather than you know you doing things that's going to deteriorate yourself like 
you drinking every day, you doing drugs, or you doing you just doing whatever that's not gonna help you maintain yourself in the future. You know what I'm saying? And you're just staying polished. You know, I feel like everybody should take time to, you know, treat themselves to a workout or to something that, you know, like a spa or massage or whatever that feel good, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, I would I definitely would tell everybody like spending I mean, and you too, like you would know. Like you looking good after throughout the years, I've seen your progress yeah. too. You know, and, and I can yeah, tell you, you feel good. You know, people build confidence, and um, it's just, it's just a it's a great feeling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's why I had to mention it because I I, I watch your your stories like yo, damn, he going hard. So it's like it kind of motivates me. Like I, I need to start lifting, but mainly I just been doing like um just my diet, just diet, just switch up your whole body. But I do a lot of cardio, a lot of bicycling and stuff, but. Yeah. Yo, that's that's what's up. I think that motivates people too, not just me, just like people that that watch your stories and like, you know, it's like I think it's dope to like show stuff like that, that side of you too, which is you're not scared Maybe. to show like you know what I mean, man, you got a six pack, yeah, you better show that shit. You got you know what I mean? <laughs> me, I don't have it yet, so I'm I'm I, it's gonna motivate me to grind so I can my next music video, I'm I'm go shirtless too. Shit. I feel you, yeah, I feel you, bro. <laughs> but um, you know, my homies like they went to school and they they opened up their own gym. So like, they would say like, you are the people you hang around with all the time. Mm. Or at the same time, the black together. So it was mm. natural for me to like start getting into it because a lot of my friends was into that. You know, they was working out, they was maintaining their health, they was staying fit. And for a lot of Cambodian people or Southeast Asians, we know that a lot of our parents, we not really that healthy. You know, we eat bai every day, we eat salah. Like a lot of the shit mm. that's in there probably ain't the best thing for you. So, so you know yeah. that we need to start changing the narrative. Like you can still eat that, but you know, incrementally, like you can you can eat those good things, but maintain your health at the same time. You know what right, man? that's very sure. important. Definitely important. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Shit. Um, yo, shout out to your peoples, man. Um, I see that a lot of like you like your our generation, like the younger generation, oh. popping up with podcasts. I think your homies just added me the sessions podcast. So I just said, uh, you know, I shout out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's dope. You. So you, you want to shout out your peoples so like while we're on the shout outs, like you're, you're yeah, shout out to your like gym homies too. Like that's that's what's up. You have a lot of good people in your circle. Yeah, shout out to Jake Fit, shout out to Sessions Up, shit, shout out to Hella Slug. <laughs> shout out to everybody, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I love seeing people on the grind. I love seeing people hustling, doing their thing because it inspires me. You know, like we look, you know, we we look for things to inspire us. We look for motivation. And so it helps to to be able to see that. See people's progress from point A to point Z. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But yeah. That's why I'm always posting shit. Like I want people to see that like I'm a regular, I'm regular schmegler. Like I go through a lot of the same shit everybody goes through. I want to show y'all the process, but I'm just never afraid to show my process. Social media has a way of of making this facade like your life supposed to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like this all cookie cutter perfect. Like People is balling. People is fucking fit as fuck. Like, we're all happy <laughs> as fuck. But we're, right. we're not all like that. We go through regular emotions, ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not afraid to show my my everyday process of everything I go through. You know what I'm saying? Because people can relate to that. You know? Respect. Yeah, definitely, man. I totally feel you. Like, we're all human. Like, people think I'm, like, you know, like, balling or whatever. Like, but I, I struggle every day. You know, every day is, you know, adversity. You know, like, especially with this mm-hmm. pandemic. You know, I just... But it's also kind of like, I kind of like, you know, it help, helps me prepare, like, just like, yo, just turning, how you say it, turning it to a positive. Like, I was like, yo, 
2020 ain't got to be canceled. We still got a few months to make it happen. You know, like, yeah. I always think positive. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because some people are less fortunate than us. You know, like, you know, there's people out oh. there really, you know, fucked up, you know, dying and stuff and, you know, struggling, not, 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 not get their unemployment because the system crashed or whatever. You know, they've done applied a long time ago. I got homies that never got it. So now they cut out the 600. So it's like, yo, I was actually blessed enough to get it. So I was like, damn. Thank you. <laughs> I I it. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Mm-hmm. You know? Save that shit. I try to be um optimistic about a lot of different things, you know, because like like everybody, we we've hit a lot of dark points. And um the best thing you can do is is, is just put your best foot forward, keep your chin up and just thug it out, you know. Mm-hmm. Like what else can you do? Uh, that's it. Drink some so, coffee, you know? bump some gangster rap and handle your business, right? You know what I mean? Like, I just say, you know what? Just be optimistic and, and do the best you can, you know? Yes, sir. What type of advice would you give, like, an expiring artist, you know? Like, what, what would you give them? Inspiring tips artists. Or, like, on how to start, like, if anyone, you know, like, to get in the music or whatever in life, even a life advice. I think um, for anybody in life looking to find something to do or something that's going to make them happy is to actually be happy with what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of people, you know, succumb to doing certain things because they have to. They don't really have a lot of choices. But if you find yourself doing something that you really enjoy and you kind of just give your all to it, you'll find that the universe starts to pay you back in a way that you never expected. You know what I'm saying? So you enjoy your process, enjoy your struggles, your ups and downs, but always keep your faith, you just start to realize the, the universe always works in your favor like that. And I, that, that might sound kind of cliche to a lot of people, but it's, it's very much true. You know, if you put 50% into something, you're only going to get 50% back. But just imagine if you gave everything your all and you exhausted all of your opportunities, but, you know, you just kept going and kept going. Life will pay you back in a way where you just never would have thought. You know what I'm saying? I've been rapping like I don't know how long, ten years, and I feel like people really didn't start noticing me just like until like the last few months, like this whole pandemic. Like my shit just kind of been going up. I was like, oh shit, you know, like and so you just as long as you start to enjoy it, you stay true to who you are, you know, and, and you stay in your lane, and you just you worry less about the next lane, who's driving what, who's doing what. And you focus on where you're supposed to go, you're gonna you're gonna get there. You're gonna get there sooner or later. You know. Yeah, I like that. That's really some real good advice right there, and totally agree 100. percent Like you know, you do it because you love to do it. You know, and just work hard, no matter how long it takes. Like like you said, it. You, t- you know, they say it takes 10 years to become an overnight success, and you've been grinding long before this YouTube shit. You you was recording since middle school and like high school, like you know like. It, it takes a long time. They don't see like the, the you know the sweat, blood, and tears and stuff. But it, you know, just just keep going, man. Like practice your craft, work on it. Just get good and just like be yourself, most importantly, and also have fun doing it. I feel you, bro. You you right, man. Like as long as you enjoying what you're doing, just have fun with it. You know, you'd be all right. I always tell people. Yeah, I don't think you can fail, problem. man. Like you know, failure. You're supposed to fail. You know, like just. See what you're gonna do, like you know, re strategize, just bounce back. Like, I think I failed most of my life just to find out my niche in life, you know. Like, I was doing like music long before this comedy stuff, and it just kind of like 
comedy was kind of like by accident. Like I, I was always kind of like funny with my friends, you know. But yeah, yeah. comedy was never really my passion. It's always music. My channel is really music centric, so I incorporated comedy music. So I just kind of made it work, you know. So if you have a niche, just find your niche. You know, if you want to do stuff, just figure it out. You know, something. Who knows your path that you're going? Might your path might change later, and you're gonna learn to love it. So I, I want to say. Uh, I think when I started to understand the concept of fear and failure and how to manipulate that into my own hands was when I started really like understanding my full capabilities. Like when I stopped mm-hmm. being scared of failure was when I understood like failure is really not a bad thing. Failure mm-hmm. is is something for you to learn from and to, to grow from. When I started learning that, I was like, all right. So I stopped, I started being fearless with a lot of mm. things. Like, if you see somebody you like, you see somebody you want to approach, fuck it, go for it. Like, why are you scared for it? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Somebody don't say no? Okay, fuck it. You say no, you say no. Or, you know, if you want to, you want to, you know, obtain a goal that's achievable, you want to get a certain car, should you work towards that? What's the fear of you trying so hard that you'll get so close you would have never imagined? But the fear of you telling yourself that you can't do it, that's what's going to stop you with that. You know what I'm saying? I think self-doubt and fear is kind of like our, our biggest our biggest brick wall, that wall that, you know, that stops us from being great, you know. Every yeah. now and then I still, like, I, I self-doubt myself, you know, like, what if this is not funny enough? What if, what if this song is not dope enough? You know, like, you just got to yeah. put it out. Like, don't expect everything to pop off or go viral. Not everything's going to go viral. As soon as yeah. I accepted that, you know, I, I feel I feel more at peace with myself and I'm happy with what I'm doing. You know, like don't don't chase the views, don't chase the fame. I'm, I was never in this for fame. Like I'm kinda like anti spotlight. Even like people that know me, I'm really shy. Like I don't but like, like I've been I'm like ten years in this shit. So like fuck it. Yeah. I just do it because I wanna bring my, the people that support me, just give them pure entertainment and just have fun doing it. I work a regular job just like you, you know, I'm grinding, but I'm also constantly working on like, you know, my dreams, always, you know, sharpening my, my skills, you know, with, with the video, with the music and the Stuff yeah. like that. You, gotta so, stay, you really got to stay hungry, bro. You know? Stay hungry. And, um, it's funny you say that because that's how I came up with the, my album title, Unapologetic. Was I, was I was talking to the homie and I was telling him, I was like, man, you know, I, I feel some type of way because people kind of perceive me to be such a, you know, this type of person that I felt like I couldn't really say some of the things I wanted to say on music. And then he was like, well, why? What the fuck? Like, you're <laughs> you. Like, you be yourself. And if nobody like it, who gives a fuck? Fuck them. You know, just like, right, bro. And I was like, what's a good word for fuck everybody? But, you know, like in a more better yeah. term. And I was yeah, like, professional. unapologetic. Like, that sounds hard. Like, I like that. And that's actually the, the, the idea of the album was I said whatever I wanted to say. I make the music that I like to make that I enjoy and anybody who likes it, I appreciate it. But for y'all that don't, it's all good. This is me. This is you. You're not going to make me feel bad for being myself. Yo, that's that's strong because like a lot of people can relate, you know, like that's, that's really the really good advice. Just fuck what anyone thinks. Just do you and um, be unapologetically you. And yeah. that's, that's kind of like the type of mentality I'm on. Like these past couple of years, like I made music I want to do. I don't. I don't cater to the fans anymore. They're like, you should like remix this Prip Savat song. I'm like, no man, ain't, my legacy ain't gonna be parodies. I write fire original songs. You know, what I mean, whether you like it or not, 
You know, yeah. just, just make yourself happy. I don't want to be the guy that you. I don't like being told what to do. You know, like if you don't I, like my new shit, you don't like my new shit. Go listen to my old shit. <laughs> so that's why I feel like we have a lot of similarities in that in the aspect of you know. Yeah, 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 definitely. Damn, I think this is a dope interview, man. Thank you for giving it to me. So, um, yeah, fuck, yeah, man, any any so. last words, any shout outs, any uh, I don't know, any uh, I don't know, any anybody you want to shout out or any announcements you want to make right here on Shloy Talk, so we can you know. Uh, anybody want to shout out? I want to shout out to uh my sister Saria, who will be giving birth to um her son in like two months. So we have another boy in the family. Uh. I want to shout out to my nieces and my nephews because they're fun. I want to shout out my mom because I feel like it. You know what I'm saying? Um, shit, I just want to shout out the world. You know, shout out to you guys. That's it. Yeah, yeah, what up? This is G-Fall Supreme. Y'all should be in the Troy Talk. Turn up. See you on the next one. Thank you, G-Fall. Yeah.